हेलो एवरीवन वेलकम टू द एम्पावर योर माइंड फॉर सक्सेस पॉडकास्ट अ पॉडकास्ट फॉर एनीवन हु वांट्स टू बिल्ड एन एंटरप्रेन्योरल माइंडसेट सो टुडे इज अ स्पेशल पॉडकास्ट बिकॉज़ आई हैव अ वेरी स्पेशल गेस्ट uh for the first time on my podcast for my listeners uh, her name is anna christina hicks she is an author of two books uh she is an iron lady as far as i am concerned and she has overcome a lot of challenges uh, in her life to become an entrepreneur where she is now impacting thousands and thousands of people and making their lives better uh the two books that i would strongly strongly recommend that you take a close look at and buy on amazon uh are um, uh, the burnout kryptonite three simple tools to beat burnout before burnout beats you and the second book is tools of hope restore and renew your hope so with that introduction um i would like to hand it over to anna christina to officially introduce herself and welcome to this podcast anna christina I'm so happy to be here. Yes. So, uh well, my name is Anna Cristina and uh one of the biggest questions I get about my name is, well, can I just call you Anna? And I said you can call me Anna, but I'm not going to guarantee that I answer <laughs> because everybody knows me by Anna Cristina. So, I'm just I'm pleased to be here. I'm so happy to be here. We talked last week and uh we had like an instant kinship. So, thank you very much for having me on the show. welcome you are welcome and uh, you know just so my for my listeners i met anna christina about a month ago in a in a in a very special mastermind group that she and i are part of um, where you know we are trying to grow our businesses together and uh, you know when i heard her story then i wanted her to for her to be on my podcast so that people can listen to her story even more uh, and i think that is what uh, we have uh, anna christina here for so anna Christina let me ask you a couple of questions right you already introduced yourself uh, can you talk a little bit about what you do currently what i do currently is um i encourage equip and give people instant resets that's my specialty is instant resets instant stress resets in particular mm mm-hmm, mm mm-hmm. and do you work with a particular kind of people uh in your uh, business i do i have a heart call what my coach calls a heart call and uh it uh i kind of fell into it what i do is i mostly work with first responders so about half of my business is first responders and what i call not just the unseen so the people that have the badge and the flashing lights and the cool rigs that we all know right police and fire and ems but How about the 911 dispatchers? When you think about it, they are actually the first first responder, right? Because mm-hmm. somebody calls for help. And then how about the advocates? I work a lot with victim advocates that are not on the scene necessarily but way after because they're dealing with the victims and the survivors and and a lot of trauma. So that includes uh same 
So sexual assault nurse examiners, it includes sexual assault prevention and response teams for the military. It includes our local advocates that work with our police departments and our fire departments. It's, uh, it's phenomenal. I even work with counselors. Yeah, it's, and the other half of my business is teaching business people what I just taught to the responders <laughs> because they're powerful, simple tools, Anish. I get so excited to teach these tools. Yeah, I can, I can hear it in your voice. The passion is there and, and that's, what, uh, that's what we love. So um, obviously, uh, Anna Christina, you are at a point now in your life where uh, you, you are impacting a lot of lives. Uh, but uh, I, I want you to take us back in time and talk to us about, um, you know, what were the challenges that you faced in your, in your life way, uh, a long time ago? And then how did you overcome them? And uh, what happened, right? What <laughs> happened? What triggered you to get to where you are today? Uh, and that will be very helpful for us. Okay. So I grew up, um, I, I born in Texas, grew up in Colorado. I went to school here for construction management of all things. <laughs> so, so I love building. I love tools, which was kind of funny because again, I fell into that. I have no family background of construction. Mm. So I was surrounded really in a male dominated situation. Uh, many engineers or, and uh, construction folks, and it was mostly male. I was one of the only females graduating with my year uh, in college, and I was, um, yeah. So I got married and uh, uh, had two children. I graduated seven months pregnant with my second child, mm -hmm. and then we ended up moving to a tiny little island in Alaska, and that island is in the middle, middle of the Bering Sea. It's literally closer to Russia than it is to Anchorage, Alaska. So it's closer to Russia um, and uh, was 600 people, 600 people, natives, all related. And so I, I am not of that native population. So you're automatically an outsider, yeah? Mm -hmm. um, and things were very rough in my marriage, very, very rough. Uh, by this time, I had three children. We had moved when I was pregnant, three little boys. And it got to be uh, brutally violent in my marriage, brutally violent, mm. to the point to where I've been uh, yanked around by my hair. I had long hair at that time. I've been thrown to the floor. I've been punched. I've been... Um, used to punch me in places that it wouldn't show. So where your clothes cover. And I've been headbutted, headbutted twice to where I literally had bruises from the hairline all the way down to my jaw. If you can imagine, it wasn't a black eye, it was like a black, blackened face. And uh, it's kind of funny, but not funny. The, the worst thing that, kept, that lasted the longest after that situation was being spit on. You know, that doesn't seem like it would hurt very much, not compared to the other things, being strangled, you know, being pressed against the wall by your neck. But the spitting, when we think about it, it's really like a cross-cultural sign of disdain and disrespect, isn't it? Yeah. So it's just uh, funny how those little tiny things stick. Um, but the bottom line is one day I had had enough. Uh, nobody should live with that. And there's a whole bunch of dynamics that are involved. And unless you've been involved in violence, it's hard to understand the dynamics. Kind of like, why in the hell would you ever stay in that kind of situation? Why? There's no good reason. And yet, there's a lot of psychological dynamics. I know you deal a lot with mindset. 
-hmm. and limiting beliefs and in helping people move past that. And this was definitely part of that stuckness, <laughs> for lack of a better word. So one day uh, I'd had enough and there was no mental health services. There was really the internet was barely starting back then, uh, 20, 23, 24 years ago. And um, thank God there was one woman on the island. She had moved in with one of the teachers. That's why we were there as he was teaching. And she had moved in with her husband and she had been a counselor. She had been a counselor in the past. I didn't even know this, but later I found out she was, she was a main counselor for the city of Seattle, Washington. And she specialized, I didn't find this out till months and months and months later, she specialized in high risk domestic violence cases. So between she and I, we put together an escape plan. And when I say escape, it's an escape. It isn't like what you and I know with uh, Denver International Airport or your, your big international airports there. It's uh, a graveled runway. There's no asphalt. Hmm. The planes are only scheduled three times a week. To this day, they're still uh, sometimes get weather de delays of up to three weeks. No planes in and out for three weeks. To this day, it's that bad. And so trying to get on a plane doesn't guarantee that you will be able to leave, even if you have a ticket. So it was this, um, as simple as we could make it, but there was some complexities in the escape. I didn't have any money. Um, he had used all the money. He had hidden the plane tickets to return to uh, the mainland. And um, I needed to get help. So I got some financial help from my parents, very secret, secretively. And we ended up, very long story short, we ended up leaving on a Saturday morning and we were gone before he knew we had even left. Mm. And I was a disaster. I hadn't slept for three nights. I was in full fight or flight and we didn't land until four layovers and 36 hours later in Denver on a Sunday afternoon where uh, there was a lot of rebuilding, a lot of rebuilding. I immediately got myself into a 12 week domestic violence uh, shelter program where they taught you about the, the mental dynamics, mm -hmm. the mental dynamics, helping you rebuild and, and heal. So it was, uh, it was quite, the, quite the upheaval for me and my three little boys. I had three little boys. We escaped with the clothing on our backs. We had no luggage. I took a drawer and I dumped it into a box. The drawer had immunization records, social security cards, and birth certificates. And I didn't have time to to go through the documents. I just dumped the whole drawer into a box. <laughs> and I had a backpack that had pull-ups, little pull-up diapers and snacks. That's how young my children were. Wow. Yeah. That's, uh, that almost sounds like a movie to me, a horror movie. Uh, seriously, Anna Christina, you have gone through a lot. And I was going to ask you how, how young your children were, but if they're in diapers, they were really small. They were, they were three, five, and seven. And my concern was, you're on the airplane, you're going to have all these layovers, you're going to be asleep. So I just thought, at least for the youngest, you know, we needed to have some sort of security. <laughs> and the trauma, you know, was traumatizing the way that we left. It was, it was difficult. And thank God for that counselor that... Uh... God put in your life that uh, gave you the enough courage and, and set up all things in motion to where you are today. Yes. Um, yes. Very, very, very interesting. Um, it is impressive. Um, right. I mean, um, I, I, I know uh, you a little bit, Anna Christina, now, and you always have a smile on your face. Uh, my listeners can hear it. 
Um, so, so you came back to the U.S. Um, after that ordeal, and then I think you went back into your corporate career. Well, that's when I started my corporate career. Okay. Yep. So I had graduated college, then we moved to Alaska. So then um, I had some a job on the island actually with the city engineer. When I say city, it's six hundred people, but you know the city engineer. And I had my job there on the island. But when I got back here, I got a corporate job with a, a big, uh, big, huge home builder that you would, you would probably know their name. They've since uh, changed their name. But and then I transferred over to another home builder. So I was on the executive team for that home builder. I ended up on the executive team as a manager. Mm-hmm. And um, I was apparently, I say that you know, I was apparently good at my job. And between you and I and your listeners, I wasn't well suited for it. I see. My personality wasn't necessarily well suited for the job that I was in at the time. And so it was very taxing for me. I could do the job and I could apparently do it well. However, my, my heart wasn't in it. My passion wasn't necessarily in it. And then we had a bunch of layoffs and this, that, and the other. So it was, um, it was very difficult to carry that, you know, 40, 50 hours a week and be a single mom of three little boys and then growing boys really toward the end. They were teenagers uh, when I ended up leaving yeah interesting interesting so um how did you get into your entrepreneurial world right what was the trigger um, that made you actually make the switch from a job that maybe your heart was not in to a business where you are where your heart and soul both are in right what happened for real <laughs> yes for real <laughs> uh, to be very blunt i was it was a sunday afternoon I know the exact moment when things changed, Anish. And it was a Sunday afternoon and I was baking cheesecake of all things. I did, it's very clear. You know how those things kind of crystallize? And I'm baking cheesecake, baking cheesecake. Woo, 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 woo. And I'm like, what? You know, you hear sirens. We're, we're, you know, right outside Denver. Baking cheesecake, baking cheesecake. Woo, 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 woo. I'm like, wait a second. That went by my front door, right? We're in like a suburban, quiet neighborhood. And I started washing my hands and I couldn't even finish washing my hands before another siren woo, 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 goes screaming past my door. And I thought, my goodness, something's happening on my block. And I literally, I just, I ran to the front door, stepped out and a niche to my left, the entire block was cordoned off. Cops, uh, ambulance, fire trucks, the entire block was blocked and this uh, lights flashing everywhere. It was the afternoon, it was about 3.30 or four in the afternoon. What happened? You know, it was crazy. I couldn't see that house because my block curves a little bit. So um, I I ran across the street, kind of looking down, trying to see whose house it was, what's happening here. And as I'm running across the street to look, um, neighbors are still, uh, everybody's starting to poke out their heads out the doors. And, and uh, as I'm trying to look and see what's going on, a girl runs up to me, 14-year-old girl sprinting up to me with a baby on her hip. Anna Christina, Anna Christina, my dad just killed my mom. I'm like, what? And she's holding her baby nephew on her hip, half naked, screaming at me, saying that she just watched her dad kill her mom. Hmm. And I'm like, oh my God, what's happening? And she's screaming and she's holding a niche. She's holding a pen 
Like it was a fat pen. I don't know how to explain. She was holding a pen in her hand and she's screaming, yelling at me. And she goes, it's right here. It's right here. I don't know what she's saying. I mean, she's beyond words. Mm -hmm. I said, what do you mean? And she says, I picked up a recording pen. She recorded the murder of her mother by her father and watched. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I mean, I've never had any kind of situation like this. So I literally walked down the block holding, I don't know how to hold this. I'm sure my fingerprints are all over it. I'm holding it and there's cops blocking off the block. They, this guy, as I get near, I can't hold up my hands because I'm trying to hold the pen with as little as possible with two, two fingers and not leaving fingerprints. And he literally puts his hand on his firearm. And he says, back up. I said, sir, I, I don't have a weapon. I have, apparently the murder is on this pen. You need this. I need to get it to you. I mean, it was the most bizarre situation, you know, to, to be in. And the bottom line is I asked my parents, please come get my kids. They were um, young teenagers at the time. She had grown up at our house, Anish. She was best friends with my three boys. I took her camping for the first time, hiking for the first time, skiing for the first time with my children, right? And it was just the most horrible thing. I ended up riding in the back of the police car. They had no family in town. She had two sisters, one of whom also witnessed the murder. And uh, they had to split them up. So now she can't even be with her sisters because they're witnesses, right? So I, here I am, I've never been in a police car in my life. I'm in the back of the police car, squished up next to this 14 year old that just watched the murder of her mom and just lost both parents in a split second. Mm -hmm. So it was that moment, that experience for the next 48 hours, seeing my dead friend in the hospital, breathing on a machine because they had to get court orders. Usually the husband is the one that allows you to pull the plug, right? The spouse, they couldn't get his permission. Obviously he was the murderer. Mm -hmm. Um, they had to go through the courts to be able to get permission. So she didn't have any family in town. And seeing your dead friend and seeing these girls walk into the room and it was, it was just brutal, you know, just a, a brutal situation. And I, when, I, when I, I took a day off of work, obviously I took two days to be with them and I took an extra day off of work. And when I got back, I walked into my boss and I said, I said, you need to bench me. And he says, what? I said, you need to bench me. I'm going to be gone within a year. What are you going to do? Because a lot of times people use that tactic to get more money, you know? Uh, no, it was not that at all. And I had no idea what I was going to do. I just knew that my life was meant for more. My life was meant for more. And it sparked something in me. I don't even know what happened, but it sparked something in me to work with first responders. They're the ones that answer our 911 call call after call after call. They're seeing the worst of the worst of what people do to each other. They're seeing the worst of the worst of accidents and situations that should never have happened. And it sparked something that day, Anish. And I've never looked back, even though sometimes I wanted to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that, again, another, another movie scene comes, you know, chasing you in your mind so that that's also scary and, and fascinating at the same time Anna Christina so now uh, you have become a resilience coach um, and you are teaching the first responders who are on a day-to-day -day basis hour to hour basis listening to 
these stories um, and and calls for help and they are supposed to be cool calm and keep the caller uh, as as calm as possible till the police or whatever law and order arrives at the scene and and your point is okay these first responders 911 responders are helping others to stay calm but who is helping them yeah. deal with uh, their ordeal and who can they talk to uh, you know to overcome some of these negative constant negative things going on in their mind because they are they are dealing with un, unpleasant unhappy situations so so walk us a little bit about what you actually do how do you let these first responders cope a little bit so i work with right the the the, the i work with the range of people that responds mm -hmm. so not only the 911 dispatchers they're hearing it but then you work with the police, law enforcement, EMS, and fire who are actually responding, right? They're on the scene. They're seeing it. They're hearing it. They're feeling it. They're smelling. I mean, can you imagine? Uh, I mean, ugly. And then the advocates are uh, maybe show up to the scene to help with the survivors. That's how I, I met a lot of people that day. Um, the, the advocates came to help the girls and the, the little nephews, okay? But then you also have counselors and advocates that work with the victims and survivors after. So there's a wide range of people. And I can't, nobody really can hope to speak to each one of their, they all have their protocols and they have their processes and they all have their cultures. And it's very difficult to break into that if you're not one of them mm -hmm. or you haven't been one of them. I have found that that was one of my biggest mental mindsets was who am I? Mm to talk to them and they ask me, who are you <laughs> to be up at the front of the room? I said, here's the deal. Your statistics stink. Your statistics stink. The amount of divorce, the amount of heart attack, the amount of diabetes, the amount of the, the really the diseases that are caused by stress and oh, by the way, suicide. And that's not even counting the people that think about suicide every day because they see so much darkness they see hear, and feel so much horrible darkness so i teach these tools i decided you know how do i how do i do this and burnout's kryptonite came from my desire to help so i interviewed hundreds of first responders across the country and as far as you know sometimes it's just informal i would fly myself to conferences i wasn't even a speaker mm. i would fly and i would sit in the audience and i would i would learn and i would talk to people and uh, so some of the interviews were just my own notes, but some of the interviews were 10 or 15 minutes where I just picked their brain. And when I went through the actual formal notes that I, I made, I found that they wanted three things. They wanted an instant reset. Well, the first thing, overarching thing, is they wanted an instant reset between calls. Mm. For you and I, that might mean an instant reset between podcasts, between videos, between classes, between coaching somebody. Um, we need an instant reset because sometimes, uh, sometimes you just need that, right? Yeah, yeah. Or even with family members. Let's talk about that on a personal level. So they said they wanted an instant reset between calls. I said, okay, great. But when I really looked through the notes, it was just the most fascinating and also heart-wrenching thing uh, over and over and over the, the theme that emerged, three themes. I, I want to up my game. I want to be better as a parent, I want to be better as a coworker and a colleague. I want to be better um, in, in my, my work. I, I want to be better. I want to do better, right? Up my game. And the second thing was they wanted to 
raise your happy. That was where it was a little bit heartbreaking is I just want to be happier. Mm. I just want to be happy again. You know, life has gotten really hard and you take care of somebody else's worst day for eight to 12 hours, or even sometimes firefighters, 24 hours a shift. And then you come home and you're taking care of your family. You're constantly taking care of and, you know, feeling like you're rescuing. And so it's very difficult for somebody like that to ask for help. Guess what? That's similar to entrepreneurs. We feel like we have to do it all ourselves, right? Which isn't true, but it feels true. So uh, up your game, raise your happy. Number three, get your life back. They wanted to get their lives back. Some semblance of normalcy. Um, their relationships a lot of times tend to blow up because of the amount of stress level. Relationships with kids, relationships with spouses or not being able to get married and they want to get married just because um, there's a lot of trauma involved. So what I did is I started researching tools, what you and I would call probably like mindset tools. And I, I, I turned them into three different sets of tools, which is um, mental resets, emotional resets, and physical resets. And what I did is I, I researched and I um, studied what would cause an instant reset. What is something that you or I could do that's super simple that would create an instant reset for us so that we could kind of boom, you know, snap out of it. You tell somebody to snap out of it, but really is telling them to snap out of it. Does that do it? Mm -hmm. So that's what burnout's kryptonite is based on. It's based on instant mental, emotional, and physical resets. And it's not just for first responders. It's a general book because those tools can help all of us, can't they? <laughs> They're, they're phenomenal. Yeah, they're phenomenal. Wow, fantastic. And once again, uh, Burnout Scriptonite, the book is available on Amazon.com or any of your other favorite stores. I would say a must read for all of us. Uh, so Anna Christina, um, very interesting story. And I, I really thank you for being uh, vulnerable enough and taking the journey again through those tough times uh, for yourself. Now, obviously, you are doing a business in an area that you have no experience in. But now you are at a position where all these law and order enforcement people, the first responders look up to you as a source of help. Um, so clearly you have um, achieved a lot uh, in your entrepreneurial journey and you have, you have learned a lot along the way yourself, I'm sure. Um, you know, we always say that uh, if I knew what I knew now, what would I do when I was younger, right? So if I may ask you a question, right? If, if you could go back in time and you were 25 years old again, what would the three pieces of advice you would give yourself from an entrepreneurial perspective, from a life perspective? From an entrepreneurial perspective and a life perspective. So three things that I wish I would have known. Hmm, I think there's so many answers, right? Yeah. The very first thing for me is I wish that I had known these resets. Mm -hmm. and, and it's not, it's not our fault. It's not your fault. It's not my fault. We weren't taught, right? We weren't taught how to create a reset within your mind or a reset within your feelings when your emotions go crazy. Um, so, you know, some people like me, my emotions race. People like my husband, his emotions get numb. Mm -hmm. He shuts down. I kind of blow up. Either way, it's not the healthiest thing, especially for your relationships. Yeah. Um, 
And so to be able to get an instant reset for, for your emotions is very helpful and an instant reset physically for your body. Because when you go into fight or flight with high stress, mm-hmm. and that might be even opening a bill in the mail that you didn't expect and you don't know how you're going to pay. That might mean somebody being really snarky to you and being very rude at the store. Or it might mean somebody calling you a nasty name, whether they know you or not, right? I mean, any kind of thing that throws your hackles, gets your hackles up, can can put you into a hard space. So the resets, I think, would be the number one because um, when you can reset, it means that you can think more clearly. And that's part of what I talk about in the book. That's part of what I talk about in my classes is the fact is if you're in fight or flight, you can't think clearly. You're working out of instinct. Mm-hmm. And we want to be able to think more clearly, make better decisions, have more energy, especially as entrepreneurs, right? We want to make good decisions without allowing the limiting beliefs to come in and pollute that decision, which I think would tie into my second thing is let's get the resets so we can think more clearly. But number two, now what, right? Now, how do I know what to make, how to make the next step? How do I know how to make this decision? As entrepreneurs, we have to make all the decisions in our company, Mm -hmm. especially when you're first starting out. And what I have found is the power of a really powerful question. I call them radically resilient questions. Um, So instead of asking a question like, oh, why does this always happen to me? That's a victim question. Mm Uh, why does he always da 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 da? Why does she never da 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 da? You know why why whine 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 whine? <laughs> it just becomes a whining fest. There's really no answer. And the power of a the the sheer strength and power of a thoughtful, intentional question. So, for example. If something looks impossible, why do I always get stuck with these impossible situations? Why am I the one always dealing with this violence around me and death? And, you know, I'm not even a first responder. Those are stupid questions. They're just not helpful to say, what can I do with what has happened to me that will be helpful for the world? What could I do to use my experiences to help others on their journey to make their journey hopefully a little bit easier? How will I show up? How am I going to learn from this? And that is, and I'm sorry if I'm giving away a little bit too much, but I I can't help myself. The, The most powerful question that you can ask yourself in any given situation to rebuild, right? It's not just a reset. We're moving past the reset. To rebuild and be able to move on is where's the learning here? No matter how horrible the situation is, what we do is we engage our unconscious mind, our conscious mind, our heart, our spirit, our soul, and our body by asking a powerful question. And that changes everything. Asking that powerful question engages your brain and changes your your forward movement. Uh, Brilliant. So I wish I knew that. That would be my second one. So the first one would be resets. The second one would be questions. And the third one would have to be for me, I don't know how to say this one because it sounds weird, is to take action into hope. I mean, really, my company is called Tools of Hope, right? 
And then I have a new uh, niche that, that really specializes in female responders. Mm -hmm. But guess what? What I'm doing there is I'm sharing tools of hope with the radically resilient, you know, the resilience builders type of first responder uh, females. But the bottom line is for me, it's all about hope. So the third thing would be, how do you take a step into hope? What is it for you? What is it for you? For me, it's a lot of, it's quiet time and stillness and prayer and shutting up and listening. Those don't sound like they're active things. And yet there's an action to be taken there. It helps you make decisions. Why? Because instead of staying confused and blocked and fretting over the decision that you need to make, what you can do is take an action and say, I'm simply not going to decide that today. I will decide it tomorrow. It's not about procrastination. It's a very intentional movement. It's a very intentional action that might be confronting the situation that you're in. It might be paying that bill that you've been putting off paying. It might be having that conversation that you've been meaning to have. Mm -hmm. It might mean reaching out to that loved one and you haven't let them know recently how much you love them because the bottom line is life is short. Life is short. So taking action, getting those resets, uh, asking powerful questions, what I call radically resilient questions, and taking action toward hope. One step, even just one step of taking action toward hope and, and making some decisions. That, that's what I, I wish I knew when I was 25, very, Anish. <laughs> very, very profound, uh, very profound, Anna Christina. And thank you so much for sharing that with us. And I think the radically resilient questions that you are talking about reminded me of something that I talk to my listeners about is thoughts. And when you ask these questions to yourself, you know, your answers are thoughts, so you're going to write it down. Um, but everything starts with a thought. Yeah. Right? Anything that we achieve in our life is a physical manifestation of our thought through actions. Right. A thought cannot get converted into a thing unless you take action. And he spoke about both. So that is that is fantastic. You know, our, our, our teachings are very similar and very, very, very good. And uh, you mentioned briefly about tools of hope. So I wanted to let my listeners know where they can find you. Um, and I believe it is www.toolsofhope.com. Yes, exactly. Right? Yeah. There's actually can... free tools up there that I put up when COVID started. Mm. And I know we're probably supposed to do evergreen podcasts, but yeah. let's just be real that this changed everything, right? Nothing will ever be the same. So, but the bottom line is I thought, gosh almighty, what can I, what can I put up on my website that people don't have to dig for? Like literally they can just go to the top of the website. They don't even have to scroll down and just hit the red button that says COVID, you know, crisis, crisis resources, boom. It's gonna take them into some free resources that they can, that they can get right away. And my, my mission is, is similar to yours. You were, you were um, transparent with me before we started recording and, and you said, you know, I want to have made a difference for really thousands, if not tens of thousands, right? Or, or millions, but, but for people that, that could not have happened if you didn't live. Yeah. You know, this is this is your mission is to say that you made a difference, especially in the financial aspect mm -hmm. for people to be able to get ahead. And um, my my mission, my my heart call is to bring simple resilience tools. I'm not a rah rah motivational speaker. I, I kind of sometimes I wish I was right. But I'm not. I'm boots on the ground. Don't tell me to do something or to be happy. Don't worry. Be happy. Uh, -uh It's not like that. Show me how, tell me how, let me grab hold onto a tool. I'm big on tools, my background's construction. Give me a tool 
that will work in my situation right now, in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of the crisis, in the middle even of feeling stuck. Sometimes people don't move out of crisis because they're just numb and they feel stuck. If it was worse, they might move. So in some ways, it's like living a dying life. You stay stuck. But the fact is, let's give them tangible tools. Let's give each other tangible tools to be able to move past the crisis, to move past the stuck and the hopelessness. That's my mission. <laughs> so anyway, there's, there's free tools up there that, that, uh, that are for the, for the taking. Yeah. Great. So once again, uh, toolsofhope.com. That's where you can find more about Anna Christina Hicks and her services and the tools that she's offering all of us to live a resilient life. So um, Anna Christina, we are pretty much at the end of our podcast and uh, it's lovely to have you on this, on this podcast show. But I wanted to ask you, is there something else that we didn't discuss about that you would like to share with the listeners? Uh, maybe a uh, a lasting piece of advice that they need to take away um, from this podcast that will uh, that that will make them remember you uh, and tools of hope is when you get to the end of your rope <laughs> when you get to that those 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 days when when you can't seem to find the light at the end of the tunnel when you're confused when you're blocked when you are stuck beyond stuck you know those kinds i don't know if you've ever had that but you're just stuck or you wake up day after day depressed day after day feeling hopeless i would say this and i don't know how else to explain this anish so please forgive me i don't have uh, this wasn't planned when you're in a really dark room when you're in a pitch black room that's all there is it's the darkness mm you can't see where you're going, you're bumping into stuff, you don't know how big the room is, you don't know what's going on, and you're totally disoriented. But our eyes, we're built in such a way that our eyes are so incredibly sensitive that you even put so much as a pinprick of light into that room. And all of a sudden, your eye is drawn to it, you're focused on it, and now you know that there's a way out. So much as a pinprick, much less in a, in a dark, dark room like that, pitch black, I'm talking pitch black, in a sealed pitch black room, you turn on a match and that's all you need to see, right? That's going to give you the help that, that you need. So number one, to be that light in the darkness, but number two, you need to look for the light in the darkness. Mm. You need to look around. There's resources now available that were never available 23, 24 years ago when I escaped. It, just the internet is such an amazing place. There are people that want to help. And no matter what you think your justification is for not reaching out for help, I don't care what it is. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough energy. I don't have enough time. I don't want to air my dirty laundry. Fine. So does it take more energy to stay stuck and in living a dying life? Because there's no results there. Or to take a little bit of energy to reach out for peace and calm and love and joy and gentleness and kindness and patience, right? So, so to me, it's like be the light in the darkness, remembering that you need to look for the light in the darkness to fill yourself up. That would be the biggest thing. Fantastic, that's great. And you know, so you, there's no better, bigger example for me than yourself to 
be the light for yourself and your three boys, uh, Anna Christina, when you were in that dark place in your life a few years ago. I think this world uh, is thankful that you are doing what you're doing despite um, uh, your challenges. this has inspired my listeners uh, you know I, I hope uh, you found value in this podcast I hope you feel inspired to take action despite where you are today it doesn't matter what has happened so far for you in life what matters is what you will do with it going forward right Anna Christina is, is very happy to listen to that she's raising her hands in the air so <laughs> if, if you found value in this Please share it with someone who you believe will benefit from this podcast. Remember, you have unlimited potential. Own it. Thank you for listening. Until next time, take care. Thank you, Anna Christina. Thank you.